Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, Pokemon Trading Card Games premiere podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, Mr. J.W. Kreewal. J.W., how's it going today? Hey, it's going really well, Riley. Today was day two of the kitchen renovation, so things are progressing very nice. (laughs) Got to eat a lot of the food that we made last week. So I'm trying to finish up some stuff. We got this, like, cheesecake that... We've had open for a few days. Gotta (laughs) Gotta finish it, man. Gotta finish it, man. Yep, because we don't have room in the freezer. Because that's where all our food is. So, (laughs) how are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, Mm -hmm. I visited my family this past weekend in in Greensboro, North Carolina. And there was like a snowstorm there. Um, Yeah. And as it turns out, the infrastructure of North Carolina isn't really there to deal (laughs) with the snow. So I actually ended up stranded there for a day (laughs) because all of my flights got canceled for a day straight. I kept getting notifications over and over on like my American Airlines app. Like, hey, you know, we put you on a new flight. (laughs) (laughs) So like every two hours I would get one. I was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. How much do I believe that? Yeah. So that was tough. I mean, if it was me, if it was me. And I was the one, like, the man in charge of the the Charlotte Douglas International Airport. I would keep a snowplow around, you know, like like one. You know, you might not use it most years, but in the year that it happens, and you have to cancel every single flight for a day, I think the revenue will kind of offset itself. <laughs> <laughs> That's my thought, but you know, I'm not going to yeah. tell them how to run their business you know like that's their but it does seem like a good investment i mean that's what i would do right like but that's just my thing it's like i would well that's probably why you're not an air traffic controller right right major airport right so So, i'm staying in my lane though like not my place to say (laughs) but but yeah i got back super late on monday i had to take an extra day off work (laughs) (laughs) and and yeah, things are good though. Uh, things are good. I'm in good spirits. Yeah. It was nice to okay. nice to see the family. Yeah, that's great. That's really great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be seeing my family here coming up soon. They uh, we canceled the baby moon to New York City. Yeah. So my parents want to take us on uh, a, a little trip, and we're gonna go to Cleveland. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I like I really like Cleveland. Like not even like a little bit. Like you know. I I lived there for a couple of years. Like I really enjoy any time I go to head. Cleveland. Huge Cleveland guy. <laughs> um, and so yeah, we're gonna we just set up that tonight. Like when we're gonna go and cool. How long we're gonna stay and where we're gonna stay and things like that. So that's pretty fun. That is fun. Uh, yeah, good to see my parents again. It is it is nice. It's refreshing to. I find when I visit my parents, I kind of like regress into just being like my parents child again you know what i'm saying right <laughs> like i just do the same things i did when i was like a teenager <laughs> just like mom just like have my parents do stuff for me like play on my phone all day <laughs> like, <it's... laughs> which is it's refreshing to do that though in a way <laughs> yeah for sure you just get to get to you know relive your younger years yeah it's also really nice to see my sister um for so, sure yeah things are good things are good and Plenty of exciting stuff here on the horizon in the Pokemon trading card game. That's right. And Brilliant Stars is just about a month away at this point. 
and we here at Tag Team thought it was the perfect time to start giving our hot takes. So what we've done for you today is we've compiled a top 10 cards from Brilliant Stars. Yeah, I'm really excited. This is a kind of a throwback set in many ways. We were just going over the top 10 and there's just so many reprinted cards. So I think listening to this episode, you'll get to hear, you know, two players that have really been through when these kind of cards were quote unquote originally released and then what their impact was then and then what their potential impact will be in uh, in about a month or two. Yeah. So let's just jump right into it then. JW, you want to start us off with number 10? Yeah, number 10, we have a draw card, which I think is a theme of this set just in general. We're getting a lot of extra draw, a lot of extra consistency cards, which is really huge because I find (laughs) sometimes that there are these sets that they just push them out and it's all attackers and there's nothing really that can be splashed in other decks. There's nothing that could possibly be a new engine for yeah. certain decks. But or there's this the one, sets where it's just like there's one deck in the set and it's like all the cards feed into that. Yeah, exactly. This is a really playable set up and down. I don't immediately see any, um, you know, incredible archetypes, like uncounterable archetypes, uh, you know, much like Mew that we've had in the past. But uh, it's certainly up and down, a lot of draw. And so number 10 here is Zama Zenta V with its ability Royal Stance. It says you can use this ability once during your turn. If you do, your turn ends, but you get to discard your hand and draw five cards. We were talking about this being um, certainly in some of these kind of setup decks, a one-for-one replacement from Zashian. There have been certain stall archetypes or just decks that rely on Zashian for setup, and now you have potentially a, a, a better one. A better option yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of the zamazenta personally just like seems like a really good way just to plow through your deck for decks that are trying to like get to the bottom you know imagine this in the uh imagine if this was a thing back when the chinchino mill deck was was popular mm-hmm. right you just mm-hmm. instead of the instead of the zashian to just draw up you just go with the zamazenta right, right. and set up your discard pile do all your cool plays I, I really like this card. So. Yeah, it's it's interesting. In in these kind of stall archetypes, there are some maybe some reasons to play Zashian, right? So you want to fill your hand up and get a huge hand, uh, have more options. But with Zamazenta, um, you could really see it being played in kind of these slower decks. I would even think of something like uh, like a Duraludon, right? Where you're yeah. just trying to find the pieces at the right time and you want to draw through your deck uh, and you're not really doing anything for a couple of turns. So uh, Zamazenta certainly feels like one of those cards, very splashable, very easily played in a lot of different decks, and uh, one that can definitely bolster many different archetypes. Yeah, love it. It's cool to see Zamazenta get the love, too. Let's jump right into number nine, though, which continues that theme of draw Pokemon with an unexpected <laughs> contender thrown into the ring, if you ask me, in the barrel. Uh, the barrel has the ability Efficient Front Teeth, where once during your turn, you may draw until you have five cards in your hand. Now, if you're a longtime player of the Pokemon trading card game, if you've been playing since the X and Y era, you'll recognize this ability as being the same as Abyssal Hand on Octillery, which was quite the popular card, uh, most prominently featured, I would say, in the, the Buzzwool Lycanroc decks as a, as a draw engine for those decks. 
And the barrel is, I mean, it's really great. It's an enabler. It's a draw enabler for particularly one prize decks, but a great engine that you can splash in other decks as well, especially decks that are going to go like consistently low on their hand size and can just use that right. efficient front teeth to get four or five cards every single turn. And keep in mind, right. you can have multiple of these barrel in play, right? So yeah, you, can, that's, you can chain those. That's one of the cool things about this ability is that it's not a once per turn effect or it doesn't end your turn like Zamazenta, but you do get to use over and over and you can stack them. Um, there are certainly uh, some archetypes that I would think about potentially playing Bibberol in, um, and that would be really anything that plays like Sanchino already um, would be potentially, you know, a one for one swap with the Bibberol. So, uh, you know, if you're playing like a Sanchino based, um, uh, Sanchino based like uh, Malamar deck, or if you're playing a Sanchino based, um, Urshifu deck or something like that. Like Bibberol seems like a perfect kind of potential one for one swap there. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that draw five ability, super good. And with other cards that we'll be talking about on this list, you can, you can kind of see how it all comes together. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Certainly Bibberol right now in this current format really doesn't have many legs to stand on because there's not very many cards to discard other cards. I mean, we have quick ball and we have maybe Cramomatic, but if you're playing Cramomatic, you're probably not slow enough to really make full use of Bibberol. And then you really, that's about it. But we are getting, of course, Ultra Ball in this set. And we'll talk about that in a second. But Bibberol really likes, obviously, to have low hand sizes. So the more cards that we can play in these decks to discard our hand, the better we're going to be. Agreed. So what's our number eight, Mr. JW? Yeah, number eight. Again, another spiritual reprint of double colorless energy. This is double turbo energy. So double turbo energy provides two colorless energy at the drawback of doing 20 less damage to your opponent's Pokemon. And that's actually, I was talking about this in my Discord with people. It's 20 less damage to your opponent's Pokemon. So... I believe that would mean it's not just to your active, your opponent's active, right? So if you were playing this with the example that I was given was with Glaceon, Mm. I think it would reduce damage not only to the active, but also it does a 30 snipe attack. I believe it would reduce damage to the bench. So I don't know, something just interesting there. I was like, oh, double turbo, (laughs) that could maybe enable Glaceon, but it's probably, probably doesn't do enough damage at this point, but a very cool card. I, for me, there are two archetypes that come to mind when I see the double turbo energy. Uh, the first one is Togekiss because Togekiss never really did that much damage, but one of its drawbacks was that it would have to play Melanie to try <laughs> to get the energy attachments necessary to be able to chain Cheryl's later in the game. Like you'd need to kind of load up on energy so that you right. could have a bench attacker to switch into so that you could share all you know it just it got kind of messy right but with double turbo that kind of melts away because you're able to snatch them out of the deck when you need them and then just share all and attach another double turbo and you're good to go so i see double turbo really being helpful for that style deck we're getting a lot of cards in this set that can help with these mill uh stall strategies so double turbo to me with the uh, Togekiss deck is going to be a big help. The second deck that I think Double Turbo just 
skyrockets, I think, you know, from from unplayable to, <laughs> you know, tier three, maybe. But like certainly something, you know, in the format is Durant. Yeah, that is a so, valid mention as well. You know, you're not doing any damage, so you're you're not even getting the, the drawback <laughs> of the double turbo. But one of the things about Durant is it's a mill deck, so you're trying to discard all your opponent's cards. But the hardest thing about Durant in the current format is just that you only have the twin energy to rely on. So you're struggling turn after turn to try to find one of your four twin energy. You can't even really reuse them. So it just makes it very hard. But with the twin and the double turbo, you know, you could play seven or eight different energy that you can use to devour. And who knows, maybe this is a possible option for players. Yeah, it's it's especially cool for like these single price decks that have that double colorless attack cost that they have two different options to utilize that effectively now in the twin and the double turbo energy. I'll be really curious to see like how double turbo develops and it's just like a really good uh like a future proof card. And it's a hard card to like even really fully predict the power of because there's so many different situations, so many different attack costs that can leverage um two colorless energy maybe plus one additional colored energy so Mm -hmm. i'm excited to see what people come up with as well yeah certainly so number seven riley what do you have for us for number seven yeah number seven is another one of those cards that kind of bridges the two things that we've been talking about it's a consistency energy acceleration based card and that is magma basin so magma basin for the unfamiliar allows you once per turn to attach a fire energy from your discard pile to a bench fire Pokemon with the penalty that if you do that, they have to take two damage counters. So, I mean, this is, we talked about this when this card was first revealed. This is kind of new-ish territory, like being able to accelerate directly from a stadium uh, for pretty much no downside. Like two damage counters is a cost, but not really in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, not um, when Pokemon have 320 health. Right. It's like usually Pokemon are, are getting two hit KO'd or they're getting one hit KO'd anyway. I don't think that the Magma Basin will often change the math unless you use it like multiple times. Um, so Magma Basin's super, super cool. There's cool things you can do as well. Like if you're really ambitious, you can play like the Flannery to get a second one into play and get a, another energy accelerated. Uh, but really just the, the concept of getting energy off your stadium is super huge it's a big enabler for the fire decks which have kind of been lacking in support prior to brilliant stars but post welder um so you know some of these other cards in the set like the entes like the charizard now have a way to actually get their attacks up and running where they previously didn't yeah i really like magma basin as just that support like you said for fire ever since welder rotated um, fire's kind of been down in the dumps yeah. really. And I look at magma basin and see a lot of possibility with a lot of these fire types that have just gone by the wayside with welder. So we're getting a new Entei that should be a very, um, you know, obvious synergy there with the magma basin only needing two energy to attack, but even something like a Centiscorch could really make good use out of magma basin. Yeah. Imagine Centiscorch <laughs> comes back. Well, because you can I get know. those two energy every no, single turn, sure. and so yeah, it seems seems quite strong, or potentially strong. Yeah, maybe like a, a little Cheryl send a scorch action. <laughs> How about it? 
<laughs> broken deck. So yeah, Magma Basin kind of laying the groundwork for for fire to to emerge again, and we're excited to see where it goes. GW hit us with the number six entry then. Yeah, perfect segue from Magma Basin to Entei V, and by extension, Raikou V. If you've played the standard format, you'll know all about Suicune V that has a fleet-footed ability that allows you to draw one card if it's in the active. That seems a little lackluster, but one card every single turn, you know, you're potentially drawing five, six, seven cards off of that ability, depending on how long the game goes. So um, a little bit of an underrated ability, I think, and that comes along with the Entei and Raikou as well. And then Burning Rondo is Entei's attack. 20 damage. This attack does 20 more damage for each bench Pokemon, both yours and your opponent's. Exact same as the Suicune. Really, the only differences uh, between the Suicune, the Entei, and the Raikou are the typing, the type that they need to attack, and their retreat cost, and their weaknesses, of course. So... (laughs) So some cool kind of... I, I, I really like when Pokemon does this. I think the best example of an attacker that has the same text but a different type that I most remember recently was Mimikyu back when it had mm. the fairy type and the psychic type. And they both had very reasonable like reasons to play them, right? They were, both had, you know, the, there was ADP, there was Mewtwo. So Mimikyu kind of depending on which one you chose, would be a really good tech for whichever decks you were expecting to face. So Entei V, Raikou V, Suicune V can all fulfill just similar roles, but tech for different different decks. Yeah, we were chatting before the cast as well. And, you know, as we're seeing some of these kind of goofy little Suicune toolboxy decks appear where you kind of use Melanie to set up Suicune alongside other you know, Vs that counter particular matchups. I mean, these are also, like, natural slots into something like that. Like, Melanie is not um, not type-gated on its acceleration, right? So you can continue to, to accelerate the water and then, you know, attach whatever other energy you need because there is that that type plus colorless cost on the Entei and Raikou. Uh, so it's just, like, they're awesome cards, you know? It's cool to see these, like, spiritual reprints in a way, these these type-based reprints uh, to kind of give versatility to either the deck or have new takes on it for different types. Yeah, I I just always want to push back on people that are like, oh, it's lazy design. I I actually would say kind of the opposite. It's like they've made this card that's so versatile, giving it a new type will open up a lot of different deck-building options. I also think it's fun. It's like the legendary dogs, you know? like Yeah, and they all kind of do the same thing, but not really. yeah. I yeah. think I think it's kind of fun. I don't know. Yeah, it's cool. I'm a sucker. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of being a sucker, Riley, roses are red, violets are blue. Don't let wild hairs wreck you. Valentine's Day is just <laughs> around the corner, and our sponsors at Manscaped are here with the best tools to get you ready for that special occasion. This Valentine's Day, it's time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. And we're running a special, guys. You can get 20% off plus free shipping if you go to manscaped.com and use our code TAGTEAM at checkout. Manscaped is delivering high-quality products. JW and I both love all the different things that we've had the opportunity to use and try out. Uh, Their Lawnmower 4.0 is their signature product. You've probably heard about it 
from our either our podcast or other podcasts you may listen to, and it really, really gets the job done. If you're looking to, to look clean, healthy, and trim heading into Valentine's Day, there's nothing else to treat you better than Manscaped. I mean, it's probably the one day a year. Like, <laughs> if we look, if we graphed it all, you know, every time somebody shaved, like, the day before Valentine's Day has to be... In the upper echelon. A spike, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, cer- certainly, certainly. <laughs> one of those days, you know. So make sure that you are on top of your game, that you're looking and feeling your best. Manscaped, that's code tag team at manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping. We love the products. Tag team at manscaped.com, 20% off plus free shipping. And those great and, balls and ultra balls. <laughs> so true. And to take the sucking one step further, <laughs> it's time for my card of the day. Okay. <laughs> can, can you guess based on uh, that? Okay. Does the card suck? Does it have suck in the in the text? (laughs) No, no. It was actually a banned card. Oh, okay. Because of the sucking. All right. So there is a card that was only printed in Japanese by one of my favorite artists. We talk about him a lot on the podcast. Komiya. Okay. So Komiya is the artist that kind of draws everything that looks kind of weird. Like he draws the, I always talk about the Voltorbs and the Magnemites that look like they've kind of melted a little bit. He's the artist that did the Galarian um, Slow King that looks like it's on acid. So he just draws all the weird looking Pokemon. And he drew a card that was so weird that it got banned in America, the artwork. And that is the Moo Moo Milk. So in his original design, there is some farmer or some person holding an upside down spotted milk udder thing, presumably feeding a centret that's lying on its back. So the centret is sucking at the teat of this milk <laughs> jug. And it's just, it was just a little bit too much for American <laughs> audiences. They ended up changing it over to another kind of iconic card, at least for me. I remember having like 400 of these Moo Moo Milks back in the day. But uh, yeah, Komiya coming through with another scintillating, scintillating. sucking card. Love a good suckle. <laughs> Who doesn't, man? <laughs> so true. <laughs> That's crazy. I, I got to look this up really quick. Wait, you, you haven't seen it yet? I don't think so. Maybe I yeah, have, yeah. but... No, look at Moo Moo Milk. <laughs> On Bulbapedia. <laughs> Dang. Centred <laughs> going in there. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, dude. Centred has business to get done up in there. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> and it's just... It's so weird, right? Because, like, what is the thing that he's holding? Like, is that supposed to be a cow? It, it doesn't... It, I don't know. It's just, it's very unnerving. Yeah. And you can really see the full definition of the teat. The <laughs> yeah. Right. It's very well defined. And the centered is. Oh, that's just cool. Without a doubt on it. That is cool. I want a copy of this. I think they're only about 20 bucks. So pick it that's, up. I think it's worth it. <laughs> there you go. I so learned number, something new today. There you go. So number five on our top 10 list, getting back into 
top 10 cars of brilliant stars. Number five, Lou Minion. Riley, tell us a little bit about Lou Minion and why you think it may not have as big of an impact as some are predicting. Yeah, so Luminion, obviously a good card. All the cards in our top five are very, very strong. Um, Luminion V is a spiritual successor to Tapu Lele GX, if you remember Tapu Lele. If you don't, uh, let's run through what Luminion does. So Luminion has the ability Luminous Sign, and when you play Luminion onto your bench, you get to search your deck for a supporter and put it into your hand great enabler for things like boss's orders for game or in the early game if you need to get a quick research or marnie to plow through your deck luminion is an excellent enabler for those plays also has the attack aqua return for water double colorless does 120 damage and you shuffle luminion back in your deck so you could potentially use it again you know even if you'd already put it into play i think there's luminion's obviously good it's a great enabler for again things like boss's orders great early game kind of like let's get going type card I think the the thing that Luminion is missing relative to to Tapulele GX is kind of like the environment that it's being dropped into. Um, so when I think about Tapulele GX, obviously excellent card, but there are a couple of things that Tapulele really had going for it. Uh, first, N was in the format, so you had that kind of like not only disruption angle with Lele, but it was an additional out if you got stuck off an N. Um, Whereas now, like people aren't really, mar- <laughs> people aren't really marning you to one. It, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Unless something's gone horribly uh, wrong. Yeah, there's like deeper problems. Like I guess if you have one card left, you get marnie to one. Uh, but then you deck out and lose, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> right. Um. So you don't really have that element uh, of Luminion that Lele had going for it. Is that kind of like both disruption and disruption insurance? Um. You also lose. Probably the most iconic play you could do with Tapu Lele was the classic Lele for Bridget on the first turn of the game. Mm. Um, and there's kind of multiple facets to that loss there. First, even though there is a Bridget successor in the Gloria card, you can't play it on the first turn of the game. Uh, so kind of losing that element really takes a lot of the bite out of a card like this where you can't use it for your setup, whereas that was probably Lele's primary use case. Not to say Lele wasn't used in a ton of decks in a ton of different ways, because it certainly was. Um, but when I think of Tapu Lele, that's the first thing I think of, is the Lele for the Bridget for my Zeruas. <laughs> right, Zeruas, or your Guardi. Yeah, you know, exactly. Or your, or your Garbodor. Like, it's just so good. Right. Um, so it loses that little bit of bite to it. And I think the third thing that's worth mentioning is Path to the Peak is continued to show itself as an insanely popular and strong card and that completely shuts down Luminion obviously alongside its counterparts like Crobat uh, and Eldegoss so it's not quite the same environment I think that Luminion is being dropped into that Tapu Lele had going for it uh, I think it will see play I think it'll be a solid card but we think some of the other cards in the list, on this list may have a, a bigger overall impact on the metagame yeah, and that's a really good point when you bring up the path of the peak and just how dominant that can be um, right now in fo- in the format and just completely shutting off Luminion. That was not really something that Tapu Lele had to deal with, at least in the early game. Certainly there was Silent Lab, 
Certainly, players could get up Garbodor, but Garbodor was obviously more of a late game. I don't think Silent Lab um, was ever even standard legal alongside Gertie, was it? I I believe so. We can always go back and double-check. It may have maybe been before that one, just... like a couple months before that rotation. But no, then and I could, that... also, I could also be thinking of the expanded format as well, yeah. which obviously they coexist in. But um, yeah, Luminion not really uh, existing in that same space where where it's uh, maybe a little bit harder to be able to use that ability just because of the path to the PK. Another thing I do want to bring up as well about Luminion that is very different from Tapu Lele is Tapu Lele was a fairly potent attacker. It was. Luminion <laughs> is likely not going to see, you know, any any play as as kind of an attacker like there was a there was a side benefit to playing Lele in your deck because you could always if you're playing something like the guard of war or the zorark you're going to play those double colorless you're going to be able to attack at least for 40 maybe 80 maybe you know 120 like you were getting meaningful damage on the board yeah with luminion it's a lot harder to do the 120 damage with its aqua return attack because it costs three energy one of which being a colored energy and so it just makes it that much harder. So, yeah, a couple of, couple of things going against Luminion here. Of course, it is still a powerful card, making it into the top five of Brilliant Stars. But GW, let's get into the top four then. Why don't you tell us about our number four card? Number four is the best attacking Pokemon in Brilliant Stars. And, and it's kind of funny because I say that, and it might not even be in certain decks uh, for its attack, right? It <laughs> yeah. might be in certain decks for its ability, but this is Arceus V-Star, the poster child of Diamond and Pearl. Trinity Nova is the attack, the only attack on the Arceus V-Star. Three colorless energy, which of course you can use the uh, the the double turbo to, to power up a little bit faster. Does 200 damage and search your deck for up to three basic energy cards and attach them to your Pokemon V in any way you like then shuffle your deck. That sounds really similar to another Pokemon that had Arceus in its <laughs> name. <laughs> and it also has a V-Star power, the ability Star Birth. During your turn, you may search your deck for up to two cards and put them into your hand. So if you've been living under a rock, you wouldn't know what this card does, but I think a lot of people are very excited about it, not only for the attack, which can enable a lot of things, just like ADP did in the past. We saw ADP played with Keldeo. We saw ADP played with Lightning Stuff. We saw ADP played with, you know, dark things. Like, there was just so much that ADP could be played with. And I think Arceus, uh, people are viewing it through that same lens. Uh, but the ability is just so strong. And there might be players out there, and there might be decks that arise that play Arceus not for the attack, but for the ability. Yeah, I mean, Arceus... Arceus is a insanely versatile card. You know, the colorless attack cost that accelerates energy is good in of itself. It also does a substantial chunk of damage at 200. You know, not really one-hit KOing most Pokemon, but certainly, like, setting up the two-hit KO and, and one-hit KOing, like, weaker Vs or non-multi-prize Pokemon. Plus, you get to set up your future Vs, be it another Arceus or another V that you want to attack with. So that's cool in of itself. And then that Starbirth ability opens the gates for a lot of like combo-based decks or even just like combo strategies. You know, one of the one of the main laments of like stage twos, for example, is it's often very difficult to get all the different pieces that you need in your hand to consistently get them out. 
uh, with Arceus V-Star, you can instantly search out two rare candies for basically no cost besides just putting the V-Star into play, <laughs> which is pretty sweet. Um, yeah. yeah. Or if you have like some elaborate combo, I could see the Arceus V-Star being a, a huge player in kind of like the meme deck sphere where you need to get like this crazy <laughs> five-card combo in your hand to do your thing. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really a cool ability, one that we haven't really seen before. Um, just searching out cards is always going to be a skill gap amongst players or deck builders. Like there are always going to be, um, when you're searching out cards from your deck, just players that make better plays than others, right? If given the choice between, you know, 45 cards. Right. You, uh, you compare me to them, you and it's, I'll usually pick the right <laughs> card and you'll usually. Right, pick right. That's true. That's why I'm staying, you know, 50 feet away from Arceus V-Star. Don't give me that kind of power. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to think about that much stuff at once. That's crazy. <laughs> but certainly a, a card that introduces some skill. And I love to see, that they put it on not a V Max Pokemon, but a V Star, the prize difference being, you know, a huge talking point, right? Yeah. Instead of giving up three prizes, you could play this as a bench po- Pokemon, bench sitter, and, you know, you're only giving up two, and that's not any, you know, worse than playing a Crobat or something. So, <laughs> yeah, very cool card. Great introduction to the, to the V Star mechanic, for sure. Um, let's talk about our number three entry then, which is. In line with many of the cards in this list, another spiritual successor reprint-esque card in Manaphy. This card has got a lot of people excited as it is the return of a bench barrier. Manaphy has the ability Wave Veil, which prevents all damage done to your benched Pokemon by your opponent's attacks. It's also got a glorious mm-hmm. art. That Manaphy is so flipping cute walking on the it water. It is really cute. It's one of those cards that I... I really wish it took the full card. Yeah. Like I could just imagine like seeing the sunset because we kind of it's out of view, right? Yeah. And then maybe extending it down. Maybe there's some like fish or bear scooter or something under the water. And I don't know. I just want that card. I want to see more. I want to see what else was happening in that photo. Yeah, maybe there's a maybe there's like a I don't know, a seal like jumping out of the water in the background or something, (laughs) you know. Don't get me too excited. I, there's, some, there's something going on there. For um, sure. Manaphy does, as compared to its previous iteration in Mew, lack kind of that versatile attack. Uh, so its attack is just for a water energy does 20 damage, as opposed to uh, the Psy power from Mew, which is actually a very strong attack, <laughs> considering yeah, the card us. was a utility card. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Uh, so does Manaphy have- does lack that. Mm-hmm. But does have 10 more HP, so it should be a little bit harder to knock out with Inteleon. Yeah, and that is notable. Metacham. That is notable. Um, you was pretty vulnerable to like the Inteleon ping and the Metacham plays from the Urshifus. Um, so Manaphy, obviously going to see plays in particularly single prize decks that are very vulnerable to the Jolteon and Urshifus of the world. Um, you know, great enabler for things like the Flaffy decks that we had talked about the other week great enabler for things that even just like use the Inteleon engine and are single prize decks that need that engine to get going to get their feet off the ground or get into the, the quick shooting Inteleons quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, just a really solid card. You know, it's probably won't see play in every single deck, not necessary in every single deck, but having that layer of protection is very noteworthy. Absolutely. I think immediately about Rapid Strike Malamar when I th- see Manaphy 
and yeah. just how much it'll like having that bench barrier ability to protect some of their evolving benched Pokemon. So really cool card. Excited to see this ability come back to the game. And I'm excited to see how people build with it because it might not just be for the single prize decks. I mean, we might see people tech in Manaphy and V star V max decks to prevent oh, things like Urshifu or uh, Jolteon is, you know, arguably on par right now. If you look at, you know, stats and tournaments one and things like that with Mew in the current format. So be nice to potentially have Manaphy, not just in the single prize decks, but in the no, definitely. Prize I think, well. I think it comes down to, it's probably more of an auto include in the, the single prize decks and it's probably more meta dependent for other decks is is kind of my take. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. So, we got two cards left and they are big ones. Two reprints, number 2 coming in with the choice belt. Choice belt at number 2 reads the attacks of your pokemon do 30 more damage to your opponent's active Pokemon B. So what do you think about Choice Belt, Riley? We've seen this in the past. Choice Band. They had to update it because, you know, <laughs> now we have Vs instead of GXs. But what do you think about Choice Belt in our current format? What do you think it changes? And why do you think players should be on notice for this card? Yeah, Choice Belt, you know, it 30 damage doesn't always seem like a lot, especially in the current state of the metagame. Honestly, like maybe this card needed some more damage to like really have some oomph behind it. But when I think of of things this will impact, I immediately think to the lower prize decks, like the two and one prize decks that are struggling to get the damage thresholds they need to trade effectively with, with V maxes and now V stars. And Choice Belt really alleviates or helps to alleviate that problem. You know, when we were talking the other week about some of the top non-Mew decks in the metagame, one of the ones that came up was the the Hoopa Moltres deck. And this is an obvious kind of include in decks like that. Like, imagine your Hoopa is now swinging for 120 damage as soon as the first turn of the game. That is big numbers. <laughs> like, you're threatening two hit KOs now on your Pokemon V. Uh before they really even get to do anything. Um, you know, you think of decks like a Leon's Charizard if you go into, like, the deep in the single prize zone, and now you're actually able to one-hit KO the VMAXs, whereas before you came up just short enough to make the deck completely worthless. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of sure. course, you have you have just kind of, like, the decks that are more so trying to, like, poke away at damage. You know, the, the V decks that do a little bit less damage uh, and maybe just need a little extra oomph. And uh, Choice Belt's a great inclusion in things like Suicune even, you know. Instead of maybe a Ludicolo line, you can lean into, like, Choice Belt and Pings to kind of get your damage all the way there. Uh, there's just a lot of versatility in a card like this, and it's a card that is guaranteed to be future-proofed. Uh, it's something that will continue to see play for the entirety of its run here in Standard. Uh, if not in every deck, then certainly in a wide array of them. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think as we as we kind of tame down the HP, hopefully as we move into this V-Star mechanic, it's going to be more and more likely that you'll see these damage boosting uh, effects possibly uh, combining, you know, Inteleon with the Choice Belt, with like Leon to try to be able to boost the damage enough to one-shot a V-Star Pokemon. 
because I think a lot of, you know, we, we've been talking about a lot of the format right now is like two shots or more. Um, but, you know, may, maybe there is that potential to to be able to one hit KO those V-Star Pokemon with a card like Choice Belt. So, like you said, certainly a future-proof card, one that you want to have four of, you know, for, right out the gates, just just to have, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be playable. It's going to be good. You'll want to have it. And last thought on Choice Belt is it's a it's a great enabler for like toolbox decks as well that want to hit like weakness for a lot of things. Right. Because that becomes plus 60 when you're dealing with weakness, which is gigantic. <laughs> so right. you can't underestimate tool cards that boost your damage. You really can't. Exactly. So why don't we go to our number one, Riley? What is it? Number one, the most impactful card from Brilliant Stars. Well, I think before then, we should take a quick pause and look at some honorable mentions. <laughs> You're excited. I know. <laughs> I, I was. I was pretty excited. <laughs> but some of the honorable mentions are cards that you're personally passionate about. So yes. why, why don't we talk about those? Great. Okay. Very briefly, I am a big stan for Whimsicott V-Star. I think Whimsicott V-Star will be very interesting, very cool, <laughs> unique. Um, we've big seen Whimsicott the attack head. before. Uh, yeah, huge, huge, huge head. Huge one's cat head. Uh, tricky wins, the attack, 160. D- your opponent can't play Pokemon tools or special energy from their hand during their next turn. And then it has a V-star power of an attack. Cotton Ball Star, this attack, 60 damage to one of your opponent's Pokemon for each energy attached to this Pokemon. So you have kind of a, a snipey attack that's pretty cheap. You got a nice little main attack that blocks your opponent from doing certain things and just because of how impactful special energy is right now i can see when scott v-star being a nice little deck yeah we also have another v-star and charizard v-star you know another kind of like poster child for the v-star reckoning that is upon us charizard (laughs) doing with its v-star power 320 damage which is absolutely insane especially if you throw in the much-needed choice belt on there to get all the way to 350 uh, can one-shot even the likes of an Eternatus VMAX, which is rare to see. <laughs> yes. And it also does 130 with its normal attack for three energy. And if it has any damage counters on it, which it likely will, thanks to the effect of Magma Basin, if you are taking notes, uh, which makes it all the way to 230, which is... A solid one-hit KO and pretty much any Pokemon V basic. And with things like a Choice Belt and maybe a Leon, you can get all the way to 290, which will KO opposing V-Stars. Yeah, very cool. We had a lot of Brilliant Star supporters that are not going to get any love, but <laughs> things like Ace Rose Premonition... Things like Cafe Master, Charon's Care, Gloria, Cynthia's Ambition. There's a few others. But the one that stands out to me because of its uniqueness to the current format is Roseanne's Backup. Now, Roseanne's Backup is the only card that can allow you to recover an energy card, notably a special energy card, or a stadium, or a tool right now in our current standards. So it says, choose one or more. And there are four different effects. Shuffle a Pokemon from your discard pile into your deck. Shuffle a tool in from your discard pile, a stadium, or an energy. And we wanted to give some love to Roseanne's because it's just not something that we have right now, the ability to shuffle special energy or stadium cards or tool cards back into the deck. Honestly, it's pretty rare, especially like stadiums, to be able to recover stadiums is a pretty rare effect in the history of the Pokemon trading card game. So that's pretty cool. 
plus special energy again like historically tough to get those back <laughs> certainly well i think we're ready then the number one card from brilliant stars if you've been waiting for us to mention it then now's the time if you have no idea what i'm talking about then you're gonna learn today because the number one card from brilliant stars is ultra ball ultra ball another reprint in brilliant stars and one of if not the strongest pokemon search card of all time in the pokemon trading card game barring special cards uh that had restrictions put upon them and it shows it shows why it is ultra ball discard two cards from your hand and you can search your deck for any pokemon reveal it and put it into your hand that has a multitude of benefits to it first is a deck thinner that allows you to enable plays like your barrels that we talked about earlier like your crowbats uh, thins your hand down and prevents you as well from being vulnerable to you know having things churn through your deck that you don't want if you money them back into your deck for example um Plus, you get to search for any Pokemon. This is a ball card that actually lets you pluck so, the Pokemon you want out of your deck, regardless so of whether it's a basic, whether it's an evolution, whether it's a fragment of a Pokemon, <laughs> <laughs> or whether it's a just standard run-of-the-mill Pokemon. This card will see tons of play from the instant it's printed in pretty much every deck in the format, unless it's just for some reason incredibly sensitive to discarding cards, then Ultra Ball will see play in that deck. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned a lot of great things about Ultra Ball already, but I can't overstate just how much this could mean and should mean for the format because right now to search out basics, we have Quick Ball and that's a four of in every deck. And beyond that, we have... You know, Great Ball, I guess, theoretically. Uh, you have Fog Crystal, but that's type-locked to Psychic. And then beyond that, I struggle to really think of any bulk Pokeball, I suppose. You know, <laughs> Level Ball, right? Level Ball is really good for those one prize decks, but now we get a very versatile option that just about every deck should probably play for a, right alongside Quick Ball. So it should make a huge impact very, very strong card. Um, grab you the evolutions, grab you the basics. It's kind of like a, it's kind of a, just, it, it's like a, a do all, you know, it's like yeah. WD 40, like duct tape. <laughs> like it just, it does everything, right? You just pull it out in the early game, you get a basic, you pull it out in the late game and you get an evolution Pokemon. Like it's just so good. And it's an impact on the game cannot be understated. Absolutely. It's also just a huge enabler for, you know, your Crobat plays. It's an enabler for uh, your Magma Basin plays, for example. It's an enabler for your Melanie plays. You know, things that rely on discarding cards are now much more reliable. Mad Party is <laughs> back on the scene. <laughs> We're back, baby. Yeah, I, I didn't actually think about Melanie because right now Melanie is a very, um, if you get it on the first turn, you're kind of pogged. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You're I'm a legend. I'm, you know, yeah, I'm a legend. Right. Because there's only quick ball <laughs> for the most part. But now we should start seeing Melanie as more of uh, of that first turn kind of aggressive play that can a little bit more easily be able to be pulled off. Yeah. Especially, you know, you can ultra ball for the Luminion for your Melanie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just mm -hmm. and Melanie the Luminion. <laughs> You're mm -hmm. going crazy with it. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and attach your double turbo energy and shuffle the Lumineon back <laughs> in the deck <laughs> to do it again next turn. <laughs> so Ultra Ball, Ultra Ball, obviously going to have a huge impact on the game. I do think the some of the decks as currently designed will need to kind of like rethink the way they maybe are built to accommodate Ultra Ball. But I think that rethinking will happen and that Ultra Ball will be one of, if not the single most popular card as we look into the future years of the game. Certainly. And I think that's a worthy number one. (laughs) I couldn't agree more. So that is our top 10 from Brilliant Stars. Certainly there are a lot of solid cards in Brilliant Stars. And a lot of these cards are, in fact, you know, spiritual successors or, or reprints of previous cards. We're definitely curious to hear what your favorite cards are from Brilliant Stars. And if you want to let us know, you can reach out to us on social media. JW, where can they find us? Yeah, you can find us on Twitter, at Tag Team Pokemon. That's on Twitter, at Tag Team Pokemon. You can also find us on Twitch. We stream the cast every single Wednesday over on twitch.tv slash munner at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. You can also find me at twitch.tv slash flexdaddyrighteous or on YouTube, youtube.com slash flexdaddyrighteous. Riley and I both also have Twitters. We are probably most active over there as well. So go find us. Smiles with Riles is Riley's Twitter and at realjohnwalter is mine. It's been a pleasure bringing you guys this Brilliant Stars Top 10, and we'll catch you next week. Peace. See ya.